Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon, Brandon Wound Pickups. Mike Trombley, Native Audio. Hello, Mike. Hey! Hey. Mikey's back. Band's back together. That is right. (laughs) And this is Todd Novak. We're super thrilled that you are listening to our show, the Guitar Knobs Podcast. And Mike, as the uh, semi-visiting guest type person, what what do we do on this show here, buddy? Uh, We just talk about gear, something, something. Stop. What is it? What are we? We're the champion of the boutique builders. Oh, we're the champion of a <laughs> boutique builders. Thank you. Oh man, how did you? That just flowed wow. right off your tongue there. Yeah, yeah oh. you know. Yeah, yeah. So we uh, we interview boutique builders of guitars, amps, pedals, and other type of gear. We also talk to influencers in the industry, people who are making it move and shake. We, we have learning episodes. We have learning episodes. The one hundred ones. Those are quite popular. That's right. Uh, we have one of these people on the line today who can guess what it is i don't know but he's gonna tell us tell us who you are buddy uh hi my name is rand anderson and i'm with mutron mutron pedals i love mutron yeah jared is like uh, (laughs) i'm not a mutron expert but i do love mutron (laughs) he's got a lot of mutron I do. And we're going to call it Mutron the whole episode. Mutron. That's going to be difficult <laughs> for me, but I'm going to do it. Me. <laughs> um, Rand was kind enough. Yeah. We, we, had a, we had a great call this, uh, this past week, and uh, he seems like a super awesome chap. Uh, we met him actually at, at NAMM briefly, and we had a good time. So we said, we need to get you on the show. So let's do this. We're, uh, I'm super excited to hear the four on the floor for this guy, too. Um, and I need to say thank you to Rode Microphones oh, for supplying guys. our microphones that we are talking on right and now. The Rodecaster Pro. That's right. The Rodecaster nice. Pro. The, uh, the, the big machine, the big colorful machine here that's doing our thing. I like that. Um, this is making everything happen. And we're, we're still getting, uh, we're still, you know, kind of. Getting, uh, getting it warm, getting it massaged, making it one of our own. Um, our old uh, crazy j- jalopy rig is is <laughs> still here. It is not undone yet in that the event of an through. emergency. The power is on. I see the lights yes, shining. Yes, but we are really loving this new road uh, machine. And uh, if you are interested at all in, in getting into podcasting yourself or or even using it to record your band, honestly, I'm probably going to take this home and record the band. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, no, you're oh, not. Oh, no, you're not. That's a misuse of company stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's under the contract. But, um, it's a it's an incredibly affordable uh, way to get into um, recording things. So thank you, you to Rode for providing yeah, that for you. You should because it would familiarize yourself with a little more. Yeah, it's super good. Uh, okay, but aside from that, I do have a couple of announcements. One one of them, which was which absolutely delighted me this weekend. I got a big package from. Uh, a big package of stuff. Let me clarify that. <laughs> <laughs> from, I don't think so. From Champion Lecky, our buddy Wooly at Champion Lecky. Wooly! He sent a whole hey! bunch of swag for everybody. So when we send out our Patreon stuff, you're going to get more Champion Lecky stuff. Excellent. I mean, but, his stuff is awesome, but if you met him in yes, person, we're going to have him back. So funny. Yeah, he's a great guy. Now, a long time ago, he so he does these amazing sketches and stuff and he puts them on the pedals and everything and we said hey man would you send us one of your scrap sketches 
He sent us like an entire packet like full of not just his sketches. These are his actual drawings and concepts for all of his pedals. Oh, it even has oh, the drawings with with with, with, with oh schematics. Schematics. Whoa! <laughs> keep Mikey away from those. Yeah. Yeah. Schematic for this a special is, layer. This man. is huge. That's like, pretty cool. It's oh, it's cool. Man. Okay, so Champion Lucky stuff is really cool, but like honestly, like that made me feel like a million dollars because he's like here you guys can have this stuff and this is his own personal stuff wow. this is what he yeah. built his company on it's like behind the scenes man it's really amazing so i'm gonna try to fi- i gotta figure out what to do with this proper can we make a coloring book <laughs> that would we, we might be able to do that <laughs> yeah we could copy each I, one i want to i want to work something it. out so so patrons can benefit from this too oh yeah um yeah. but anyways i wanted to share this letter because this will give you a clue if you if you're not familiar with wooly um he sent this letter, and on the back it says, super legit letter from a well-organized small business that was cro- all crossed out and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and it says at the top of the page, official Champion Lecky headed paper from the offices of Champion Lecky. And, and this, this is on a, uh, a yellow and, yeah. and blue ruled you yes. know, tear out kind of sheet. Yeah, it, it's like, it it's, looks like something from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I'm not going <laughs> to like It's like on college staff or whatever, yeah. whatever yeah. you call it. So it says there's a spot and it says today's date, which he doesn't put anything at, and also address. Also missing the address. <laughs> it says, hi, knobs. Sorry for sending this stuff so late. The champion lucky way of doing things involves waiting until people think I'm dead or they're totally (laughs) forgotten that I exist. Then I spring up as if out of nowhere and everyone is all surprised and they totally forget about the fact that I've just been super slow. Surprise! <laughs> he says, "Tees, magnets, uh, hard sticks, and stickers are for for you guys. Uh, badges and woozy stickers are for throwing at people from your cars or you know whatever. Lots of love, Wooly. Doggone it, we like that guy so much. And thank We're you framing that letter. Oh yeah, for sure. And we're really grateful, um, Wooly, for for sending that stuff. You guys." L- He's got a new one out called the Woozy, which um, uh, Demos in the Dark has been doing a lot of work with. So I would highly recommend checking that pedal out. It's mighty cool. I just want to pull up two more things. In a recent episode, we mentioned how people are uh, that are listening to the show are are like branching out and building all kinds of stuff, and it's pretty amazing. So one of those things was uh, Tim Nowak. No relation, because well, it's not really the same name at all. But anyways, so he's been a, he's been a great supporter of us, and he said um, he, he tagged us and sent me. He says working on my first PCB. It took me over a month to design this build and this bad boy, and I finally did it. It's a combination uh, CMOS fuzz and overdrive, and it sounds amazing. Now to get it boxed up, a big thanks to the Guitar Knobs. Your interviews of builders who have started from nothing really inspired me to test my limits and see how far I can take this. Love the show. So that's pretty I, that's killer. Just, it's that's rad. Pretty killer. He, he was like, you know what? Maybe I can do this. And look what he did it. The Check build, that out. The build nice. looks pretty solid too. I like the ribbon cable. I like that too. It's, it's, it's clean. And then uh, we also have another, you've probably heard us mention Zach J. Wright many, many times on the, at the end of the show as a, as a uh, supporter of the, of the show, as a, as an executive, executive producer, producer name right on the thing. Yeah, that's right. He was basically had to step away from the Patreon for a little bit. He said, Todd, I will be back. My business partner and I cut out all our Patreon to save money to finish off our guitar building shop. We fully intend to be back and supporting under our company name, 
York Guitars. It is our dream to be a guest on the show, eventually talking about um, our Ohio-made guitars and pedals. We love you guys on the show. That's pretty amazing. I Heck love yeah, that. yeah, man. I'm looking that forward to that. That is pretty killer. So, it's going to um, be cool. Yeah, anyways. So, so well, that what was, was the guitar? That was really neat. What was the company name? York. York, York Guitars. So York be looking guitars, out for okay. York Guitars in the future, everybody. I'll be checking They also out. make peppermint patties. They do. York peppermint patties. <laughs> hey. All right. Uh, we're going to discuss what's going on in our music worlds this week in the guitar business. Jared's got his hand raised super big. Yeah, I want to be picked. Uh, so um, I talked about the JCM 800 a few episodes ago, and... It was the 50 water, and uh, the 50 water was uh, an older one. So it was like an early 80s, I think, mid-80s. And I took that back to my buddy in Fremont, and I t to me, it just didn't have enough, like, bass going on. I don't know. It just wasn't dark enough for me. Um, so he said, well, why don't you take this 100-watt um, JCM 800 reissue? And I said, well, what's the difference between a reissue and an original? He said, not much with the circuitry, except for there's a uh, um, an effects loop on the back. And uh, he, he said there, you know, maybe there was a few improvements, but really no, no uh, big difference. So anyway, I bring it home, plug it in. And uh, I, think, I think the wattage change really just, I think it just kind of changed overall how it sounded. Doing at the 100 watts? Yeah. Yeah. So I got the 100 water. Yeah. And thinking, you know, before I was like, I don't need no 100 watts, but I'm wrong. I was wrong. Like, I really like this 800. I just love are, it. Are you talking head or combo? Just the head. And, just the uh, head. Yeah, just the head. And I've got it plugged through, uh, uh, you know, just a JCM 800 cab with, uh, you know, Vintage 30s. So. Right, right. So it's, uh, you know, they sound much better getting pushed by 100 watts rather than the 50. So I'm going to probably stick with that amp. 100 water. Yeah, 100 water. It's a reissue. Okay. Good thing you got that off. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's, you know, with the volume control, the gain in the the main, it's it's not bad, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not twice you, as loud. It's Right. Just... If you really want to crank it up and get that. I don't know, because when you use the aux, you're not pushing the speaker cap, and you're not getting the effect of mm -hmm. getting the speaker cap pushed. Mm -hmm. So I'll just turn it up and just kind of go behind it. And the aux, for those who don't know what that is, just really briefly. It's a uh, real high-end, uh, call it a power attenuator. I mean, and, and the output power attenuator, not okay. not Yeah, you AC can crank it. your amp up and not have it blaring out your speakers, and you can kind of get the benefits of a you know, turned up amp. Um, however, you know, you know, I think part of the whole experience having a, a high power amplifier is, is the sound of those speakers being pushed. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. But, Definitely. you know, the, another good thing about the aux is you, there's a, a speaker simulation, so you can just not have a cab at all. And, uh, the reason I bought that is, uh, for shows and whatnot. So people can listen to pickups and through amps that they respect uh, without bothering the the other vendors around us. Ah, right. Nice. Let's hear from our buddy Ran. What's going on in your music world? Uh, it was Recon. I dropped a bunch of speakers off at uh, right right at Nam actually the the spots by there. So I just picked them all up. Awesome. So which, I'm ripping uh, which, apart cabinets and amps and and putting them all in and uh, switching stuff around. What what speaker shopper are you talking about? Uh, 
Well, this is uh, Bao. He oh. he worked at Orange County. Yeah, I was going to say Orange County. I'm got, familiar with, but Speaker or uh, now they're called Speaker Repair Pros. So he was kind of the guy doing everything there. Oh, cool. So he went over. He's got his own thing going. He's got a uh, one of three in existence uh, magnetizing machines. So wow. Uh, mm. and, and and knows probably more about some of the speakers than the manufacturers. So I interesting, love those people, uh, man. I, I just love. Yeah, them. right. They, That's, yeah, That's super cool. So apparently, with with what he's telling me, there was no such thing ever as a JBL sixteen ohm, although they were marked that way that they weren't actually sixteen ohms. Were they, were they all fifteens or? No, they were all eights. Really? They were all eight eight ohm speakers, but they just said 16 of them for some odd reason. <laughs> Fraud. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Fake. Lawsuit. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's cool. I mean, when you actually ohm out a 16 ohm or an eight ohm, they're always a little under anyway. Yeah, well, so these are the, one, the 120s, so they're the vintage ones. I can't, I, I don't know what about, you know, modern stuff for that. But. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Interesting. Huh. Good to know info. I, Yes. I reckon so, but he, but he had a bunch of cool stuff for sale, Macintosh speakers and um, lots of different variants and that. Neato. Cool. It, well, you know, it's interesting to see what, what other kind of broken stuff people are fixing. What's out in the marketplace and what might not be working, what, you know, these touring guys are using. and Yeah. Dig it, man. Very cool. Uh, Mike, what's going on in your music world? Uh, so I guess I'll come back with a report. You know, I, I know last time I was in here, I was talking about the DSL 20, the Marshall. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, good report. It sounds good now. That's <laughs> good. Yay. I know. And I'm actually running it through, uh, my two 12, uh, inch Jensen's of oh. my, the, of the twin reverb. So really? I'm, yeah. So I'm just hooking the speakers into that, uh, output there for the DSL 20. But I found that, uh, I actually just run this thing on the, uh, high gain channel. Um, and I pretty much keep gain at about like 11 o'clock and then I just mess with the volume. But I found that just by adjusting the volume on my guitar, I can go anywhere between like clean to high gain mm. just by the volume so i've been running it like that for probably the past month and a half that's, and that's like dude, it sounds basically like old school style yeah exactly and it sounds so good and uh that also has the effects uh loop so that's been really uh good you know as far as like messing around with you know my pedals um doing a lot of you know just testing around with them yeah yeah Very so cool. so the dsl 20 is rocking nice yes. mighty fine tony Yes. What's well, I've got uh, I've got I've got three things, two of which are related. You only okay. get to say one. So the, yeah, about no, one. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with all three because I can. Uh, first it. of all, I scored some really cool uh, Rogan uh, Brothers knobs. Uh, they're kind of they're inch about an inch and a half around, and they're black, and they've got like this uh, a, a silver pointer on them. So Can we say oh, that's, that's cool? A, like the classic Rickenbacker style? Well, it's not exactly. A, that's that's how I stumbled onto these. Okay. They're not quite the Rickenbacker style. They're a little smaller, and they've got a silver point on them, but it's like a giant arrow. Yeah. And they're from probably the late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got nine of them for like 50 bucks, which is, is that a, a good steal. deal? Well, they're usually about 10 bucks a piece. Ah. Oh. So uh, I'm, pre- I'm pretty stoked about those because, uh, you know, I don't, I won't use them. Uh, I might use them on some projects, but I just, you know, you'll find they're, it. You'll they're, figure it out. They're just really cool looking. It's kind of Star Trek-y, 
So yeah. you're looking. So you're not going to put them on a guitar or anything? Yeah, I will. You're going to put them in your I'm going to uh, put them on your, I'm going to put them on a native audio pedal. Oh, oh yeah, that'd be perfect. <laughs> I'm on a chest of drawers. Yeah. Yeah, chest of drawers. Yeah. Uh, and then the two things, so I, I was doing a lot of trolling on DHgate and we've talked about this in the past. I've I've picked up a couple of things on there. It's kind of the Chinese uh, Amazon, I guess you would say. And um, <laughs> they've got uh, some really incredibly inexpensive guitars. Um, I think last we talked, I it was, is shocking. It's yeah. it's just downright shocking. And it's uh, I think we were talking in the past about uh, some of the the clear Ampeg style, uh, right? Plexi Dan guitars, Dan Armstrong, Dan Armstrongs. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up getting one of those. I've been very happy with it, had it set up. But I, I, I'm a Rickenbacker fan, as many of you know. And and I found um, uh, what and once you are on there a while, you kind of figure out the nomenclature because they can't really say Rickenbacker, right? Uh, but they've got um, Schmickenschmacker. <laughs> but they but they've got uh, all kinds of things. So this was some some cherry burst jazz guitar and you know if you look at the photos it's like a rickenbacker uh 360f which is kind of an unusual guitar that rickenbacker made in the 50s and 60s and um and it was uh it's basically like a gretch shape a single cut gretch but it has a flat top and bottom so they had one of these and of course i saw it I had to buy oh, it. Boy. <laughs> oh gosh! And it was like eighty nine dollars. Um, no, or it was a little more than that. <laughs> but shipped from China was like just a just a hair over three hundred dollars. Very what? cool. What, what uh, what's the color on it? It's a cherry burster, you fire glow, whatever okay. you want to call it. T- you know, it's typical, sure, sure. typical uh, Rickenbacker thing. And then I was looking for the the proper tailpiece, which is you know it, we've talked about. I, I got some a twelve string tailpiece from Winfield, but it turns out there was a guy in Argentina <laughs> that has uh, really uh, really good prices on the, essentially the same types of things, and it. One step better, it turns out he is actually a customer of mine who has bought uh, a guard or two over the years. So it worked out really well. I, I ended cool. up, I got the a really cool, it's it's called a long tailpiece, trapeze tailpiece. And we worked out a really good deal. And uh, so by you the got time- got all the things. I got the stuff. The stuff is coming. Nice, man. Another busy week at Pit Guardian. Very Wheeling good. and dealing. Projects. Right. How about you, Projects. Todd? Uh, you know, uh, I had m- most of my week, we had a gig last Saturday for Record Store Day. Um, mm. That's dating this probably a little bit, so, oh, you know, yeah. but uh, that's Ooh. cool. Um, and that was really fun. Um, and can I, uh, let's see, I had... Uh, my nephew, my my cousin. I feel like he's my nephew because he's so young, but he's actually my cousin. Um, he said, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna be looking for a, a new guitar," and uh, so he started asking me about it. He said, "I went to Guitar Center, and I said, what's a good starter guitar?" And they they handed him a four hundred dollar uh, Epiphone Les Paul. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> Let's talk about this. So that's really fun. I love shopping for other people like guitar stuff. Yeah. Um, and so it was really cool. I'm like, there's loads of options, but I'm just curious. Okay. One word, in, like quick lightning round. All right. I want to go around the table. All right. If you were asked that question, what would be your recommendation for a great starter guitar that, uh, you know, maybe sub, let's say sub $400. Okay. Uh, go around the room, starting with Mike. 
I would go with like a Mexican strat. Oh, you just took mine. Oh, uh, did I? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a solid. I, I mean, I was in the same situation, uh, I think last year, my, uh, my friend, uh, his wife was trying to find a guitar for him and she was like, ah, 400, $500 price range. And so I pulled up a Mexican Strat and- Brand new or Craigslist? Uh, brand new. Ooh. And uh, yeah, I mean, but they're out in Montana, so they don't have too many options with yeah, Craigslist. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, he fell in love with it. That's cool. Mm. Rand, how about you? I was gonna say Mexican Tally just cause I, I think, you know, Harder to keep in tune with that floating bridge. Yeah, the telly is a good choice. And also the uh, pickup selector is easy enough, too. Yep, that's true. Tony? Well, I I mean, on the upper end of the Epiphone line, I think those are all pretty good. But I think for a good solid starter guitar, I'd go with one of the GNL Tributes, the Tribute series. Um, They're basically overseas-made guitars, but they put uh, American electronics in them. Mm -hmm. Uh, The pickups are all USA. So Mm -hmm. uh, every one that I've ever tried or worked on, I found that the the Tribute series is solid. Excellent. They can do that, too, because I've seen their winder at the the shop there. I took the tour. Fantastic place, by the way. Their winder does like six bobbins at a time. Jeez. It's crazy. Wow. It's kind of like Brandon one. That's crazy. Mm, Jared, what are you choosing? (laughs) Uh, I got to go back to the, uh, the Mexican, uh, Fender series because I, I own one mm-hmm. and I love the neck of that guitar. I could just play the thing all day. I, I changed out the electronics and stuff and, uh, you know, I got how I want, but mm-hmm. the neck on this guitar, uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything else. Interesting. So I'm going to pull a wild card and I would say I would go, uh, my my knee jerk reaction is going to say Mexican Telly all the way. However, because of the amazing deals that I keep con- continuously seeing on Eastwood guitars, mm. I would I would see about something on there because you can get a pretty dang fun guitar that's going to be well built and you and they've got sale prices under sub four hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And that is shipped, and I believe, I I could be wrong, but I believe they're shipped with case. I'm not positive on that. Mm, I don't think so. But anyways, <laughs> they're running deals like crazy all the time. Um, and so uh, that's, just a, that's just a wild card option. Or right? you can go to DH yeah. gate like I do. Or, yeah, no, no, don't <laughs> no, do that. No, don't no, no, you got to be semi-experienced. But, I'm just uh, waiting for Tony to get his guitar, and it's going to be the size of a ukulele. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, all that said, what we were talking about, that's Every good. one of those guitars that we mentioned, you can find on Reverb, super cheap. Oh, yeah. Yep. You can find on Craigslist, Definitely. super cheap. Yep. Go Walking right into like Guitar Center by a guitar. I, I mean, I'm not going to say don't do it, but um, there's lots of other options. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Used is always better than new. Yeah, it's already broken in and stuff. Or broken. Yeah, or broken. <laughs> anyway, so I just thought that was a kind of a neat thing. Um, so we're still working that out. Now, I want to hear something from Rand. One, two, one, two, three, four on the floor. All right. We've been waiting for this one. Rand, the purveyor of Mutron pedals. What is your four on the floor? Well, my, my four on the floor, I think, is uh, it comes down to maybe four effect classifications that I, I think uh, I can't live without. You know, you 
have um, maybe some sort of, um, you know, I think everybody has their favorite overdrive or distortion pedal. Would go with my uh, good old fashioned TS9. Tube Screamer. Yes. What a, what a classic. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I have one on my board, man. Technically, it's an ST9, a super tube, and uh-huh. that's uh, got four knobs on it. They were a little rarer, so a lot of them got circulated out in Europe. In the, um, I've got I've got two of the nines, and one came from a uh, effects uh, shop in Amsterdam back in the nineties. Oh wow! And then I have two of the ten versions of that, or maybe three that I bought as backups. And this is the super. That, the super. The TS? It's called a Super Tube, an okay. ST9 or a TS9 in the 10 series. So they had the old JRC4558 thing going on. But, uh, you know, where a 9 feels more just like in that overdive range, I felt with that, the yes, the Super Tube with that extra 9, you could kind of get more uh, more crunch out of it. And right. Possibilities, less of that mid-range hump, and you had, had more tunability with it so so that that's pretty much like the spot there for that pedal um and i always think you know i love phasers so of course i always had the my favorite was always the the mutron stuff i can't you know old stuff i really didn't have much to do with that of course i was like three when they were making those things so (laughs) um so I, I have a, a few of those that I got in, in pawn shops and wherever over the years. Um, Which, back back in the back in the days when I had you know everybody had a six way strip on their pedal board, right? With the uh, wall warts and stuff everywhere. So uh, which uh, no, that's the fa- that's which phaser is that? I would, uh, phaser two was uh, the the basically. The way it went at Mutron, they had the Phaser one was the first one that came out early, and that was an OTA-based operational transconducted amplifier. I see. Um, which which a lot of people loved, sounded great, but it was too hard to make. And in the process, basically, they went and made... They had a lot of R&D things that never saw the light of day, but one one the they moved from that OTA to an optical design, and they actually built a biphase before they built the phaser too interesting huh. well we're gonna so, get deep into the history and stuff yeah yeah I, I didn't mean to sidetrack but anyhow so the phaser two was kind of the lesser model that came after the biphase and it was just a nice optical one and back back in whatever the 90s it, it still seems reasonably sized for a pedal board yeah well uh, it's a gorgeous pretty, pedal because it's so odd it doesn't look like every other pedal yeah, so, uh, you know, and the other alternatives, I always had, you know, MXR 90s or 100s. Yeah. The, the 100 was a six-staged uh, optical, but it never sounded as good to me as, like, uh, with distortions and rat pedals and right or whatever, Marshall amps. I, you, you wanted that kind of deal. And, of course, I love the Boss ones, too, the early PH2s, the green ones. Nice. So number three, I think you got to have like, I, I love octave pedals, always have. So um, I have an old, just beat up, can't even tell, Octavia, Tycho Brahe, original deal. That's a good one. Um, that thing's pretty wicked. So that, that's a must have. And that's the coolest name uh, ever. Tycho Brahe. 
Tycho Bright. I don't even know if I say it right. I know you are saying it right. <laughs> is, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Like, Tycho Bright. <laughs> <laughs> That's after a night of heavy drinking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, some sort of delay pedal. So I, I, I think I really grew pretty fond of tape delays at one point. Is this your number Most- four? Yeah, I'd say okay. it's my number four. Does can a tape delay be that four on the you floor? Can I put it, it on the floor? <laughs> yeah. All right. So I really like the Ibanez uh, Echo Machine. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Five, I think five series plastic thing, mm-hmm. and uh, they did a pretty good job. It's kind of low grade, so lo-fi. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you for sharing your four on the floor. That is one of our listeners' favorite parts of the show. That's as right. It is mine. And uh, we're going to have that out there on the internet for everybody. You can go to the guitarknobs.com to see the full rundown and click on those pedals and go get one if you want it. We've got Rand Anderson from Mutron Pedals. Now, he kind of he, he mentioned something earlier. He's like, this isn't the, the gentleman who invented the Mutron pedals, but he is the current meister of the pedals yes it's uh that's what uh pretty much what going on it's <laughs> just, just like janitor or something you know you meister. Uh, yeah. so, but uh yeah I, I you know i've been luck i don't know how we we joke about it mike beagle and i how our fates have intertwined and uh, but uh basically was able to uh end up working together for the last six or seven years at MuFX and kind of just transferred over and got the Mutron back up and running. And it it also includes uh, Mike is is working on the design end as well as um, Richard from L Sound, who's probably the foremost repair Mutron expert in the United States, if not the world. Oh, wow. And he, he worked closely with Mike to uh, develop a lot of the electroharmonic stuff when, when Mike was making, uh-huh. you know, he was designing effects for lots of folks. Yeah. And, and I've also had the privilege of also reconnecting with both the CEO of the original Musitronics, uh, Aaron Newman, as well as. So that's uh, what it actually a- stands for, Musitronics. <laughs> Musitronics Corporation. Okay. Yep. Yes. And uh, as well as Henry uh, Sajak, who was kind of, I would say, he ran the production um, for Mutron as well as other companies down the line. They all came from Guild. Okay. Uh, Interesting. So Musitronics was born out of Guild. I didn't know that. Ah, You never would have thought that. I never would have thought that. Well, they, they had a, uh, a synthesizer division was starting to pop up and the guy that was championing it, I believe, uh, ended up in a plane crash yeah, or something. Al- oh. Alfred, Alfred Drong, 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 Al Drong. Something, something, and he was going to do it. And then he went away. It was his project maybe. And, and so they wanted to go on with this technology and, uh, uh, Aaron got the money together and they got the company and they went down the road they had the R&D up in New York and the div- production down in New Jersey. Huh. Interesting. And and it was born. It was born in 72. And, and I think then, you know, it was this crazy frontier. To, you know, digital was just barely on the horizon. And just what was going on on the airwaves and then New York City. 
in terms of sessions and players and and all that. What, it was a special time. So, what was what was the first Utron pedal? It was it was the uh, envelope filter. Uh, well, the fa- the phaser one and the envelope filters were the first things that came out. Stevie Wonder was the first endorsed artist in 1972. Holy smokes. Yeah. And he used it on a clavinet in the higher ground. So mm. that became kind of a staple sound in funk was, uh, you know, the clav, clav filter huh. deal, like all sorts of funk bands. Um, I, I tried to put together, I was teaching music uh, for a while at his school and then I was putting together for the kids, just like almost a, a a listening list on funk clav walk because it was amazing that all the music that came out in a short span of time with that as a result of that probably Uh, yeah as a result of that i mean it it could be now they have like you know music major disciplines and in banjo and folklore music and that but it's like a clav walk could definitely be a a, a, a major or something there there's some youtube you should check out there's the guy playing a whammy on a clav too right and he's got the funk clav with the whammy bar on it just amazing <laughs> wow he's uh, like the hendrix of clavinet i think he's in <laughs> australia that's crazy let me see we have so many questions to ask you this is crazy well um, look, let's just keep on the history train with yeah, the, the tron because i i think the 72 so you know and move on and i'm always finding out interesting stuff from people like i didn't know ace freely from kiss played mutron stuff he but some fan sent in a thing here he's, he's playing this solo from shock me in houston 1976 77 or something live wow Huh. And he's fully, he's got the octave divider on and the Les Paul and the fire coming out of it. <laughs> well, of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Was there a special Mutron that had fire coming out of it? Too? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think it was. So, but somebody just bought a um, something off a of reverb. They contacted us. It was a Mutron 3 that had used uh, the techie certified it all from uh, the Grateful Dead. It was one of Jerry's that they pulled all the parts out to keep his number one and two units alive wow wow that's cool but i never saw the ending price on it so i was curious but he he wanted to get it working and repaired in working order so anyhow so like uh, you know that uh, zappa was a big mutron guy he used uh he had a green ringer so mutron actually many you know I, they had big nasa high-end kind of stuff it's like you know having universal audio stuff on your pedal board back then it was pretty spendy so they had a hard time selling, I think, as many units as they could. So they got into making products for other people and trying to get into entry level stuff. So the Dan Armstrong, um, was somebody mentioned the Armstrong guitars, the yeah, loose side guitars, yeah. right? So that guy also was designing circuits and making these little uh, modules that would just plug into your guitar. Yep. And then you run your, your quarter inch or you could reverse the wiring and put it in, into your amp. If you didn't want it hanging out of your guitar, yep. So I actually I I'd, I'd like kind of really loved the Orange Squeezer for many years out of that series. Um, uh, J Fed best uh, compressor. What, what was that, the what was the overdrive that he did? The blue was it the blue? Oh shoot! A blue clipper. Blue clipper. Blue clipper. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of a fuzz. I wouldn't. I would say it's super fuzzy. Yeah. Um, but the Zappa had the Green Ringer, which when I meant I mentioned the Octavia earlier, the Green Ringer was sort of Musitronic's take on that, or Dan Armstrong's take rather. Um, he had them originally manufactured by some company in England, and then brought them over 
and they worked out a deal and then the musitronics logo went on them or the mutron logo went on them so so ran um at this point in time would you say that like mutron was trying to uh like tend towards guitarists or tend towards other like music uh, electronics? Well, it was kind of evolving. I think, you know, the effects industry, everybody kind of got into it. It got super maybe saturated might be a word. Yeah. And at the same time, digital was on the horizon. You yeah. know, you're approaching the 80s synthesis, all the MIDI, all the synthesis, right? Right before all this crazy new wave music hit that was going to use all that. I mean, yeah. that's where everything was going. And I don't think they anticipate, they didn't, you know, they didn't know then that people would 25 years later go, oh my God, that's the best phaser ever. They were like, oh, we're not selling phasers. We better make something else. Yeah, because it sounds like the, uh, you know, like with um, Stevie Wonder and, you know, a couple of these other guys that weren't uh, your typical guitars it sounds like they were kind of expanding the effects area i guess you would say yeah yeah but if you look at the actual effects that uh, musitronics were based making even for guitar and and other people at that time i think is almost like the adsr kind of synthesis synthesis lfo you know they were taking they were sub you know taking decomposing a synthesizer and put modularizing it into pedals in a way so um, I think when you put those the Mutron pedals together in series, you end up with pretty a monophonic synthesizer sort of vibe. Yeah. Early Kansas really reminds me a lot of, you know, this crazy synthesized sound. And I don't know if they use Moog or Mutron or whatever, but. Well, there was, there was a lot, you know, I, of. I, that was kind of the state of the art in terms of maybe the what they knew in in uh, maybe academic circles and the research and development had yeah. kind of plateaued. So since synthesis became the thing and what happened is, is Mutron, like in about the 70, late seventies, there was a band 10 CC. Mm-hmm. They had a, a song, um, the, thing, the things we do for are, love, the things we do for love. Right. And, and they, somewhere on that record, they use this instrument. They basically, uh, fetched up the resonance kind of synthesis deal and it became known as the gizmatron and the the guys from that band they had a hit with it and they were able to pitch this to musitronics and so musitronics basically outvoted effects to synthesizers I, I don't know what the board was at the time, you know, it was seven to five or something, a split vote. And they went with the producing the Gizmatron and the Gizmatron pretty much bankrupted them. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it didn't work and it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. And the whole market shifted. They'd come out with their first rack mount digital delay, but it was all actually manufactured by ARP. ARP synthesizers and had bought Musitronics to kind of get them out of that was debt. Like and uh, late seventies, right? Yeah, yeah you okay. know, uh, right around eighty, and yeah. so they bought bought the company, and then uh, they went out of business. Oh god! So the guys never even got their their parachute. And uh, Aaron had a heart attack. He was 49. He got out of the music business forever, went into other things. I got I got to meet a friend of his kid at NAMM this year, and uh, he I got to talk to Aaron on his 88th birthday. So 
Wow. He told me all these all these crazy war stories, and <laughs> they thought the Gizmotron was a hit. They were high fiving everybody on the plane back from Nam, and you know <laughs> that thing's amazing. Oh my gosh! And so then, uh, uh, so then that fall. was the prototype that worked. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so then, so, following uh, following them being sold, did so Mutron just went silent until so yeah, Arp went silent, Mutron went silent. Yeah. Um, a couple of the guys kind of went their own directions. Uh, Mike, in particular, he he went and did the uh, his started Beagle Sound Labs, and he tried to make a rack mount filter, which he made fifty of them, mm-hmm. um, which were actually probably the best envelope control filter you'll ever get. But they're pretty rare. What was that? What was um, that? It, it was called the ECF, the Envelope Confu- Control Filter by Beagle Sound Lab. Okay. So only only fifty of those, and then he wow. kind of started get contracting and building um, effects for other folks. But he had designed he had designed that in conjunction with a guy named Elliot Randall, and Elliot was the guitar player from the Saturday Night Live band all through like the seventies, Gilda Radner and Chevy oh, wow. Chase, and, yeah. and that. And he also played for Stevie Wonder, and he also played for Steely Dan. He he. Uh, Maybe his solos, Hey 19 or Ricky Don't Lose. One of those is him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just this really cool guy. They were like best friends. And so Elliot had a big hand to do with development, you know, as the, as a musician with Mike as kind of the engineer. They co-designed that, that uh, ECF filter as well as, uh, you know, getting into some other stuff. And then Mike went and did a lot of, lot of the designs for electroharmonics in the nineties. And then ended up doing RFID tag researches on penguins for down in Antarctica. Well, that's the next logical step. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Envelope filters <laughs> to penguins. <laughs> that's actually well, pretty cool, you know, man. That is cool. <laughs> well, if you have to well, deal with musicians. Well, you make this killer rack and there's only 50 of them and nobody wants them, you know. Yeah. So what else is there to build, you know? That's crazy. Mutron sets up a big presence, makes a lot of pedals, and then kind of goes silent. Now, anybody that's been pot, buying pedals as of late at the guitar shows or at Reverb, uh, we all tend to want what is either too expensive or that there are too few of those old Mutron pedals fall into both of those categories. And off, often there has been such a resurgence in the old Mutron pedals that, that we're talking about. I'm just curious being at Mutron, how, what do you make of all this? Like, how is this affecting you? And where do you think that this just, resurgence of love for that that brand is coming from well it's the reason i'm involved with this i mean um i was using this stuff in my boards back in the 90s and uh it it hadn't hit as much of a resurgence in the vintage market wasn't even there then i sold my clon for like 300 bucks but (laughs) (laughs) um you know, so I had the Mutron, and I always said, well, gosh, I'm tired of running. There wasn't Voodoo Labs bricks on your boards. You, there was this just dark ages. Everybody had gone from racks in L.A. to, you know, from hair metal bands and Mesa Boogie preamps and these huge monstrous racks with ADA MP1s and stuff to back to pedal boards. So 
back to blackface amps and simple Marshall tubes. And we're going to just run some pedal board pedal, a couple pedals in front of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you had two or three and you, you need to have your six way strip so you could plug in your Mutrons. You right. know, you had your the phaser and they all had wall warts coming off the octave divider, the, even the Mutron three. And I was just like, gosh, this is rough. Why can't this be shrunk down? Why can't uh, the routing was even running from left is was the input and amplifier was on the right. Really? So, you know, you, you, yeah, you on a lot of electroharmonics and stuff. So you end up getting hogtied on stage and you, you there weren't even you couldn't buy a pack of patch cables from anybody and you couldn't make your own because none of that existed. So you just have this crazy rat's nest in front of you. <laughs> And we, you know, we build these boards at, at Home Depot parts and put them in Tupperware and stack them in the van and that would be okay. But then, you, you know, I, I started realizing we're, we're playing, the band I was with, we're playing in Colorado a lot and on a cold night, the Mutron wouldn't work at all. Why is that? So oh. I, I, it's an optical deal. Oh. And I didn't know why then, and nobody really knew why then, but... Uh, after I started talking about this stuff with Mike and see Mike did a lot of this in the lab. So he didn't really know uh, from like a road standpoint, the problems I was seeing, Mm. like you, you got to plug from right to left. Everybody stands and the effects chain goes that way nowadays and Mm -hmm. nine volt and they're in the power bricks and you can't have, it's gotta be negative center. So just little things that made everything work harmoniously and then pedal supplies had come along and you know they were still building i think he designed the qtron was like a 24 volt dc input so that had its wall wart you mentioned wall wart a few times i think for the younger audience just describe what a wall transformer wart is. it's a hunkin transformer like four by three by two inches that plugs into the wall has two prongs right and runs runs a super thin cable which likes to break right when when sound guys in their cowboy boots like grind their heels on your stuff right so so basically what we're saying is that that each one of those um each one of those pedals essentially had um its own you know it's it's a standard big black square that plugs into the wall Mm -hmm. so you would get what we call a six-way power strip you know that you see under like a computer desk and Right. Try to put turn wall warts in opposite directions so they would fit. You could fit more. And you had to get crafty. You had to get crafty. But, you know, the, every given night you're tearing your pedal board apart, figuring out, is it a wall ward or is it a broken cable or is the effect itself gone? Because you didn't even have like true bypass and there wasn't any looper boxes. So, um, you know, it was quite a bit of capacitance and degradation going on. Right. And uh, that became part of your tone. You just dealt with it. (laughs) (laughs) So is there, as you're sitting, you you know, um, in the present state now is, I know that you are making new versions of the, of the Mutron pedals. I'm I'm curious to know before we get deep into that, like I think we imagine maybe, or at least I do that you guys are sitting around there, you know, making your pedals are like, what the crap is everybody? Everybody's going crazy for these old pedals and they're spending huge amounts of money. Is that expected? Is that a shock? Is it, how are you, how are you facing that? 
Well, we joke. We always joke about it. I'm like, you know, we should just get out of designing pedals and just play the market and just set up a mutual fund and buy and sell pedals and speculate. Uh, but I mean, we've we've really seen it fluctuate. And I mean, we've we've sold stuff one day at fair market value, knowing good well we're gonna make more and sell them next week when we can get some more built. And people are you know, sab or whatever, you know, scalping them the next day mm-hmm. and people buy them. And <laughs> I don't, we don't feel good about that. I mean, we say basically, you know, we don't want you to hoard these things. We want you, everybody to have one, but we, we are building everything here in the U S and they takes time. And we, we really are stringent on our quality control because these guys are looking at us as a higher end company and said, well, you've been in business since 1972. You guys must be mega. Right. You're like, no, no, no. We went bankrupt in 1980, <laughs> and we just started back up in 2018, technically. We relaunched right. as Mutron. Mike and I had MuFX since 2013. Um, and we just we learned a lot about the industry then, and the industry sure changed in that time. In fact, I think it was at one of the NAMs, and I we had the Trutron filter. We couldn't give them away. Mm. nobody cared about that sound and then you know (laughs) john John mayer goes out with the dead next year we got you know this line of people that want these things so right um yeah it's just luck and timing with that and but the uh, the other um you know so we developed a boostron there which i still think is one of the coolest pedals ever that's the one um, I have. I have one signed by Mike Beagle, actually. He, he, Jared found it out. He's been dying. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. So Mike and I designed that. And back when I had my ghetto pedal board, um, the first pedal in my chain was always a what was called a Stratoblaster. And that came out of Alembic, was a company in the Bay Area in the 70s that they made really high-end bases and stuff. Yeah, they were actually right. Those are like $12,000 bases, right? Yeah, like and, and a really famous really blackface <laughs> preamps and stuff like yeah. that, a rack mount that like bass players Stanley love. Clark. And Boom. Stanley Clark. Oh, man, that guy's So, So the, the Straddle Blaster would go in your Strat Jack. You'd take out that. You'd wire this in with a battery, and it gave you a clean boost uh, tra- transistor kind of based, or, or not, not the Straddle Blaster, but... Um, I'm, I'm confused myself, but a different, it's just a straight clean boost that, um, a lot of guys, uh, Lowell George from little feet was using, um, uh, Andy Summers from the police. So you have a blackface fender amp, you put the Stratoblaster in front, but it really does a nice thing. Draw, driving your chain. This was before buffer boxes and things. Uh-huh. Cool. So, um, that would go in. And I would always have these old Mutrons and vintage pedals, EH, electroharmonics, you know, um, octave multiplexers, things like that. And they would be super hot. So I'd have to walk back to my amp and turn it down every time I turned one of these on. So <laughs> I was like, well, maybe put a volume pedal after it, oh, uh, it like which I like because you can kind of. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. And um, or a compressor. Right. So I I wanted to build kind of my own compressor. So that was where we took that orange squeezer circuit. Um, I'd always had a compressor. I was using the Keeley for for a long time and MXRs and old Ross pedals. Um, so that and then the the third channel on that Boostron was a Rat an LM three hundred eight. Um, wow. 
that that could also be set to just almost like an edgy clean bite kind of overdrive not even a overdrive like a clean boost again uh, um, so that that pe- that pedal had the blaster the the uh, effects loop and then a compressor and then squeezer the, yeah the squeezer was the the other so it was a four in one kind of thing and almost like a channel strip on your pedal board um we forgot the eq part though i think was the most important part ah it, that's the switchable right you can make it uh, it's, it's yeah it's it's like a hardwired filter but we always wanted to redo it with the tone stack there instead oh, okay. okay and then the um the blaster so i we we have redesigned a, a boostron 2 which will come out and be the successor but that numbering it's actually going backwards that's going to have less features huh i know that you're you're drawing on some of the old stuff for the new do you find that people are are they gravitating towards the new ones easily considering the the high demand for the old pedals is there any kind of challenge there at all you know, I don't, I honestly don't think so. I, at one point I was like, you know, we should do like a pre pre certified pre-owned thing and buy, get, get these old ones back and get them factory snuff and maybe even manufacture them looking like the old ones. Huh. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't want to really take my vintage stuff out on my boards. I like to build a pedal board. I can throw in a swimming pool and replace everything tomorrow. <laughs> um, or a drunk guy spills his beer on it or whatever. But That's what remember really what happens. I said about yeah. the, the cold weather, too. And what people don't realize, right? They, I, I turned on my SPX 90. Does anybody know what that is? I think so. Okay, so this your, it's your nice outboard rack gear reverb for your snare sound in the 90s, 80s. Oh, yeah. I it was a Yamaha that. unit. So reverb unit. But I, I you know, pushed it on. I wanted to use it the other day. And smoke came out of it. So I was like, oh, man. Always a I got a cap job. I got all this stuff. You got to keep it going. You got to keep yeah. on top of it. It's like a car. You don't give it an oil change, you know? And I, I think people forget that about this stuff's 40 years old, man. It's, it's not built to last forever. The other thing I learned about the older Mutron stuff is, you know, the, the fault tolerances are not, not even the fault tolerances, the part tolerances, the value tolerances of resistors and capacitors on those big through hole things back then were plus or minus 5%. Mm. Oh, wow. So on a given day, we might assemble five of these and one of them sounds really good. <laughs> and the other four, uh, the other four, okay, you calibrate it. But right. I get mine, I don't know any better unless I put it, I find, call those other four guys, hey, come over, let's put them all together and see who's got the best one. Interesting. So... Today, we're able to make them with plus or minus 0.1% components. There you go. So nice. the, the consistency across units. Well, right now, we've, um, we've got four effects in circulation. They are the um, Microtron 3, okay. which is the Mutron 3 successor optical envelope filter. Yeah. Um, and then the Octavider came second, which would have been, is our, you know, uh, analog octave down plus an octave up ring modulator i'm gonna get one of those i'm gonna get an original <laughs> one <laughs> original ones are sick we we sat there when we built this and and calibrated it side by side with a, a fully refurbished 1980 arp unit and oh, wow. uh oh, they nice. were identical at all test points on the scope so oh, you can get cool. a new one for a fraction of the price yeah 
And you can take that on the road with you. Exactly. Yeah. And always get another one. And so these are small. Cool. I have factors, an old one too, right? but it yeah. sits in a box yeah. next to my Octavia. These are um, the new ones. Yeah. Are, the new ones. It's fair to mention that, you know, I, I think one of the, the, things that we love about the old ones is that they're big funky boxes with big funky graphics but the new ones are all very compatible for yeah. for modern pedal boards because looking at it yes. like what you kind of said uh ran is that uh i mean just looking at the pictures here they're kind of like small form factor and the hardware is probably more uh more sustainable now too right um, along well, with the tolerances, the old ones are pretty big, and they're that's, that's what he's saying. Yeah, well, like the the foot switches. Well, I mean, now well, with yeah. today's technology, is probably a little bit more uh, rugged. I guess I don't know if they they're they're sense. more quiet. I can tell you that yeah. the old ones, the the old push switches are, are it's, they're pretty loud when you press down on them. I've yeah. got yeah, there wasn't true bypass on that. You know, yeah. it's just and and a lot of guys actually liked that bleed that came out of the Mutron three. So in the new Boostron, that's actually one of the preamp choices. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. So. Um, that's what we've kind of been doing is is just going through i've been going through a lot of the r&d schematics of all our products stuff that was in development and really trying to say what what would be useful and how can we translate that to work in in this format and what else would it really need to be better than what just was there we got to add a feature to make it do a little bit so more right. do you guys have all the like do you guys have all the like archived r&d schematics and everything from like the 70s I, all the artwork yeah i have oh, access so to pretty cool. much oh, pretty much all of that stuff cool. well look if you look at the digital delay which they made they made one rack mount unit um yeah. then and that was like the last thing and it, it's got to be like 15 pages of, of nasa Boy. schematics i well, mean you're you're building your own ad converters back in 19 yeah, yeah. well that's i like wouldn't do the, that one i wouldn't do that today you know and that that actually has a tape echo vibe to it but yeah it's definitely a better way to build that so is there something that that Aside from the ones that that you've basically brought from the past to the future, and the in the in the modern form factors that are more sustainable, more rugged, more uh, reliable, is there something that um, that you were working on that is brand new or that hasn't ever been done by Mutron? Well, yeah, I mean that's uh, you know first of all uh, a new a new trend in the in the uh, pedal board market is I see these uh, scalable power supplies and pedals I can put in from nine volts to eighteen volts into this pedal and mm -hmm. yada yada yada. So uh, to make these things work, we basically devised um, because we're here in San Diego is a pretty big. Um, um, what would you call it? biomed sort of biotech industry yeah. and you got qualcomm down here it was making all the chips for all the cell phones and pacemakers and stuff so we we've got this medical grade charge pump that's letting us run things internally at 18 volts um and that's why we can have this thing have a 50 milliamp draw and sit on your pedal board um wow. so that's that awesome. that's pretty huge um and that's across our whole platform the next thing that got um, developed was basically to recreate um, the phasers correctly, both 
we, uh, the biphase is pretty much, I have it in prototype stage right now. We, we have a biphase released, but we have a biphase two that is now based upon our optical platform. So we've developed our own oh. optical um, socketed chip, if you will, uh, Intel inside. But it's it's our actually Mu thing, which makes our har- analog hardware pedals upgradable. Oh, cool. Um, That's super cool. Yeah. So um, I... You know, Mike and I and, and the other Mutron guys, as well as a lot of uh, other effects people, have, you know, certain thoughts and knowledge about optical circuits and uh, Vactrols and things like that. Uh, well, I and love I would a good say, Vactrol. Yeah, I'd, I would say <laughs> that there's a lot of research that hadn't been done. Yeah. Because there was off-the-shelf things at the time available but those companies don't exist anymore right um so for us to really decompose what those were um and and an interesting thing was is back in the mutron the the 1.0 days the uh, mutron biphases they had a sort you know they had 12 of these in each unit um they had to sort them and match them because we're running these factorials outside of the specifications that the manufacturers got on there. So the ones that were left over that didn't match, that's what they built phaser twos out of. Without, uh, I'm, I'm scared to ask this question because I don't know where it's going to lead. And I don't know if there's a short answer to this, but what exactly is a factorial? Um, a Vactrol is, is like, a, is what makes something optical. You know, you can make your own. There's prepackaged ones. Uh-huh. So and like it's basic. It's a way of, of stuff like that. Optical. Anything yeah. you hear optical, it means okay. it's pretty much, they got them inside of Arduinos and Whoa. things too for light sensors. So, you, you know, basically you're shooting an LED at a light sensor. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pretty much at its okay. bare bones, what it is, is a resistor that's light dependent. So the brighter it is, the, you know, it changes resistance based on brightness. It, it varies resistance. So, but it, it eliminates noise because you're not actually right. passing current. You're passing light pulses. Gotcha. So gotcha. it becomes a less noisy circuit. And we, we all just learned something right now. I like this. Yay. Yay. Okay. All right. Yay. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to test out this new biphase. I've got the, uh, the uh, gigantic original one at home and, and I wanted to make a comment about that. I don't see how anybody else uses those without two different amplifiers that, you you know, because you could uh, split the signal and, you know, have a left and a right. And I I don't want to know what it sounds like through one amplifier because I, I just I love this, the stereo phase effect. Some That's some guys love to cast. Some guys love to cascade them mono too. You know, I mean, um, but you said left and right, and I actually think the answer is top and bottom. I think you're so, interesting. There was a biphase nice. uh, deluxe that never saw the light of day, and it actually had presets on it. So the idea is, is I set my left phase or my bottom phase at a um, basically the foundation speed would be let's say five mm-hmm. and my top rotor i would set at seven so now i have the motion of a of a leslie where they have two different speeds going yeah um, wow man so they had a break on it i could speed them up together um and that's why i love phasers because i actually used to carry a fender leslie cabinet when i would play in bands <laughs> holy mac don't need one now so oh no the thing i still have it i right, love the right. things but but the idea was that 
if I'm going to make a phaser, I'm going to take this idea. So the, the phaser three, I, we made it so that you can cascade the control voltage. So I could run to one unit and then to the next with one expression pedal. And where I have the rate set on the faceplate is basically the, the floor of my speed. Um, so then I just run my signal to two different amps and it's a poor man's biphase. Yep. But with foot control, it, it really acts like a Leslie speaker. If you're playing, um, like you listen to Charlie Hunter tree or any of these, like sort of think like a jazz organist. Right. And and then one more question about the new biphase coming out. Are you guys going to have the little, um, the little templates that you put over the pedal. It's a, it's the size of a hand. I know, but you can still make one, right? <laughs> For who? Like, we, I've, I've got the old templates that go oh over the old biface. So. Hold on to those. Oh, those yeah. are cool. Yeah. You know, we talked about them. I have, I actually have temp. I, we printed them. We planned on it, but um, I, I, I think maybe so. I think we have them in PDF format. So if people yeah. can figure out how to print them and cut holes. And you should make t-shirts out of those, man. <laughs> that's, that's a good idea. idea. For real. I'm Actually, not kidding. Yeah. Well, and just let people write their settings on them too, right? <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool as heck. Uh, man, Rand, we are super, super stoked that you got to hang out and talk Mutron pedals with us. Um, this has been one that we've gotten so many requests for. And you have a beloved company and uh, I hope you just continue to motorcycle oh, that, that, outside. That chopper, that chopper, <laughs> that chopper it agrees. Wasn't me, was it? Is that <laughs> me? Wow. No, no there was, it was here. The big old yeah. motorcycle. They they were agreeing with us. Uh, Anyways, um, hey, we got to. We're gonna we're gonna tail our way out of here. We, but we've got a couple things that we got to get to first. Number one is Jared's favorite thing in the whole wide which world, which is, ladies and gentlemen, would you? Thank you, Tony. All right. All right. So this week's Would You Rather is from a good friend of ours, Jonathan Jurisic. That's right. Big Jonathan out there. JJ. And here, <laughs> here's this. Okay. Would you rather show up to a gig and play an amp that you've never played but have your number one guitar? Mm. So a strange amp, but you have your number one guitar, right? Mm. Or... Would you sh rather show up to a gig with your number one amp mm. and use a guitar that you've never played before? So you're going to use some sort of strange guitar. Yeah. That's it. Is there a Mutron involved? Let's focus on the, on the actual question. Um, all right. So let's make sure everybody has this clear. You show up to a gig. It's your amp and a strange guitar or your guitar and a strange amp what would you rather do tony uh my guitar and a strange amp okay because i usually play strange amps yeah, that's, that's true <laughs> but likes, no I, I you know yeah. the guitar i mean is is like half the battle that is, more than half the battle nothing like strange man yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> uh mike how about yourself i'd probably go with uh my favorite amp and then just some random guitar I've showed up to too many places and they've had some trashy amp there that it's hard to dial in. At least if I dial like it had the, like uh, a bad childhood and like went made a few uh, directions. Or, yeah. And uh, lived in a trailer park. <laughs> <laughs> just got back from recovery. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I'd probably just go with my own amp and then, yeah, I'll just bum somebody's guitar. Uh -huh. um, this yeah. is hilarious because no one has ever seen Mike not play his only guitar. So Jared, <laughs> 
<laughs> I had a terrible experience when I was like 17. I had my mid 70s Gibson SG standard like destroyed at a gig. Something fell over it because I was dumb and didn't put it in the case. Mm. So I got stuck with a strange guitar and it was through my amp. But that strange <laughs> guitar was 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 a single coil guitar and it sounded nothing like mine. Mm. So because of that experience, I'm definitely going with my own guitar and a strange amp. Okay. Because it's gonna it's gonna sound better. Rand, how about yourself? I'll go with my guitar and whatever. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Backline amps. Your guitar. B bend B bender is pretty important. So. Oh, hey, mm. there we go. That's pretty specific. Yeah. I'm yeah. definitely gonna go with my own guitar because you know why? Because it's glittery and gold. Mm. Well, that. But <laughs> the other reason is because I would probably get stuck with a strat. So. Ah. All right. Ah. So let's go. A Mexican strat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's. Uh, we're gonna thank a few people real quick. Yes, I would like to at this point in our show thank our executive producer. And you might be sitting there saying, what the heck is an executive producer? Mm. Well, if you go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs, you can find out at different levels that you can uh, become a patron of the podcast. The very top of the heap, if you will, would be our executive producers and they get there's different prize packages that are attached to. It keeps getting bigger because all it's these cool bigger and bigger. This great yeah, we got this, yeah, this champion Lecky stuff that just came in. Got to yeah. get some of that. But underwear. as an executive producer, Jared, what happens? You get to have your name right on the thing, and that's what I'm going to do right Correct now. Correct the mundo. So let's it. welcome. Uh, we'll go from newest uh, to oldest. Why not? Why not? Let's do Let's it. welcome on board Mr. John Esterly. John Esterly. Hey, Johnny. Hey, what I like about John Esterly, his name when it rhymes with Westerly, which was the birth, well, not the birthplace of Guild Guitars, but the, well, I guess it was this the is, death place of Guild okay. Guitars. Okay. How about, uh, let's welcome, or thank uh, Mr. Christopher Heidel. Yes, right. hey, that's right. That's right. How about Ty Harmon? Yep. How about Taylor Bray? Okay. John Anglin. Mm. Anthony Lanthrop. Anthony. How about Johnny Knowles? Johnny. Stefan Lamb. Rick Langlou. Langlou. Michael McVeigh. Michael Senchuk. Brian Robison. Jonathan Jerusic. Ken Sayers. Corey Nigro. Brad Partridge. Michael Van Zant. Doug Christ. Darren Gregory. Chris Kearney, Sean S. S. John Daly, Martin Cliff, and the original Tom Barazin. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for helping out our show. We are so grateful. It truly helps keep our lights on. Um, this is a this is a, a love thing for us i don't know how, i don't know how to say that <laughs> properly so it's never going to sound right but we do this because we love it yes we absolutely love it we love the guitar world and we love the people that are making it thank you for your support um you can enter in at uh, at the five if you can't uh, if you can't swing the do what uh, the you ten, can do what you do whatever do what you can. you can do what makes you feel good yes yes That's right um so rand where can people find you mu-tron.com awesome online hey i really appreciate you guys at the guitar knobs uh and uh your fan base so we're gonna give out a uh, mutron uh 
guitar knobs code it's guitar knobs and that's going to be a 10 percent discount and uh, we really appreciate you guys having us on the show dude that is oh, that's fantastic awesome. thank you so much 10 percent off at mutron the website to get those um and uh how long is that gonna be for I don't know. I'll, I'll leave it up for a while after the broadcast. Well, we'll uh, yeah, we'll sort that out. We'll put that up on, on Instagram. For those of you uh, who are uh, looking to find this, at the top of our Instagram where you see our little story deals, the little orange circles, we have a, one of those that says offers. So we've got a couple offers that are still on for the whole rest of, of 2019. Um, and those are going to be, those are still available. All you got to do is click it and that's where you can find all these things. And that's where we will have the Mutron special. Uh, let's see here, Mike. Yeah, just follow me on Instagram at Native Audio. Perfect. J- Tony. Tony. Jared. Tony. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, just go over to PickGuardian.com. Let's say you need a special pick guard or you uh-huh. want to change out pickups, different things like that. Head on over to the website Screen and you top. want to see some of these uh, very special projects that we've been discussing here. I usually post pictures up on Instagram. So go ahead and uh, go to Pick Guardian and the number one and you will find said projects. Awesome. Jared. Well, if anybody needs an old pickup fixed or some old new looking pickups or new old looking pickups, whatever. <laughs> if you want pickups that Let's sound awesome. Let's just say awesome. you want pickups. Awesome if you need pickups, pickups, go to Jared at BrandonWantPickups.com. That's Perfect. my email. Go to BrandonWantPickups.com. There you go. Pickups. You can get a hold of me, Todd, at TheGuitarKnobs.com, or you can DM me on Instagram. We want to hear your would-you-rathers, so continue to send those in. And ladies and gentlemen, let's give a big, giant thank you to Rand Anderson of Mutron for stopping by and hanging out with us. Yay. That was a pleasure. I love it. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Ryan. Hey, thanks, guys. Yeah, it was awesome. He's off to a gig, so we're going to let him go. Everybody have a great guitar week, and subscribe! All right. Tony. All right. All right. Do you have a hamster in there? (laughs) What is that? Yeah, Tony. Would you Tony. Which is? Are you talking to me, Tony? <laughs> Do I have a what? Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram, at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.